Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hello, friends. So excited to be here with my good news gals. Michelle Betts is here and uh, also Monique Davis and also uh, Stacy Voss, author and speaker. And Stacy wrote a new book, Reflecting Easter, Living and Understanding the Resurrection. And then on the phone, I have two of my good news gals. Beatrice Bruno's out of town helping her dad. And I'd love to hear that scenario of what's going on with him because I know he's a character. And also... Cindy Marsh, one of my uh, one of my besties, who joins us often on the Good News Gals, and what I try to do on the program is like, look, um, I want to ha- share some sunshine with you. When I was in the news business, so many people said when I was on TV, why don't you ever do any good news? So I want to share stories that I hope get you talking and thinking, and just show you that Christian women, like we're in this together. Uh, we're trying to raise our kids and be the best friends that we can be to each other, and uh, you know we've got the same struggles everyone else does. I've got a story I want to share with you that was posted on social media about a young woman who received really some criticism similar to what I was used to getting when I was on TV, whether it be about your skirt or your legs or your weight or your whatever, and um, how she responded to that and why it was so so, um, uh, transformational for her, uh, this criticism and uh, uh, the way she felt about herself. And then Cindy, I want Cindy to share a little story with you guys that ends with some scripture in the Bible that... uh, that she opened up to after she prayed out to God. And when she let me know that something happened to her on Friday, where literally Cindy almost died on Friday. And Cindy, I have to say, once I heard your story and you explained it to me, I just, you know, how much you mean to me and what your friendship is to me and not ever having a sister and all you've done for me and supported me when I've needed you over, you know, since the day Mm -hmm. we met, we bonded immediately. And that's just the coolest thing. Like at this age, when you meet someone, you know, and you bond with them and you just fall for them, it's like the best feeling because you you bond as a Christian, you bond as a friend and as a family. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what would I do without Cindy? Like I I need her. I can't have anything happen to her. And then you will laugh because just in, in Angie Austin's brain, weird things happen. And I pictured myself Cindy, once I knew you were okay, speaking at your <laughs> funeral, and this was the funny oh, part. No, no, wait, 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 it gets better. There was a line of 50 women, and each one went up, hi, my name's Angie Austin, and I was Cindy, Cindy's best friend. And then another girl, hi, I'm, no, wait, wait, it gets better. Hi, I'm Susie, and I was Cindy's best friend. Hi, my name's Linda, and I was Cindy's best friend, because everyone stinking thinks they're your best friend. <laughs> and, I'd be, oh, and I'm going to be first in I line, sister, today. when you're all gray. Uh, when I, make sure it's alphabetical, then you're yeah. going to go first. No, but I just want to yeah. say right now that I'm going to be first when you're, we're all gray and old. If, if you if I beat oh. if you beat me to it, I'm going to be first. Okay. Oh, all, right. So, all right. Okay. So Beatrice is with us too. All right. You just returned from you just returned from a six-week cruise. You went uh, to the North Pole, the Antarctic. And you went to Antarctica, and it was freezing, and you were sick. 
And then you came back and you went out for a celebration dinner with your husband and some friends. Right. And from there, um, we were down in Denver on Friday night. Um, this all happened at 11, uh, 7.30 at night. And we were enjoying with another good couple of ours a uh, birthday celebration on, on uh, her husband's behalf. And I ordered my meal, and I have, um, I am an asthmatic, and I have severe allergies. So I always tell the chef and the waitress always you in tell them. very uncertain terms that I'm anaphylactic to fish, fish products, and not even to use Worcestershire sauce because it has an anchovy base. And I make these points all the time, and I had that night in, on four different occasions. And my first course got served. And I ate it, and like within five minutes, I started to feel funny in my throat, but I didn't know, because I have this cold coming back from Antarctica, and I've been sick, I thought, well, maybe it's just because I drank a glass of wine, and maybe I'm reacting to that or something. So I went to the bathroom to use my Benadryl, and my friend that was with me came with me, and she goes, Cindy, you don't look good. You're real pale. And I thought it was just the lights in the bathroom. And so I came back out to the table, and I could tell I couldn't get my breath, which is a sign of anaphylaxis. And I'm an asthmatic on top of that. So I said to my husband, I said, we need to go directly to the hospital. Two things were tremendously in my favor um, on Friday. One is the restaurant we were eating at on 17th Street is four minutes away from St. Luke's Hospital. Four minutes. And... um, the other thing is, is that when we drove, we got in our car because it was parked right on the side street, which is faster than any other way. And um, when we drove to the hospital, I couldn't find the emergency entrance, which would be the front door. So I only could see the ambulance entrance, which was the back door. And if I wouldn't have taken that entrance, I would probably not be here telling this story. But I went in through the back entrance, and I was very compromised at that point. And they saw that. And I had a team of eight people on me, like you wouldn't believe, like right away, because I said, I'm a nurse, I'm having anaphylactic shock, and they could see my color, and then I couldn't get any air in. And um, the doctor said to me, have you uh, ever been intubated? I mean, be put on a ventilator, because I was crashing right there. And I said, no, you know, no, but he goes, well, we're taking you in this room. So they cleared the room out with the ventilator. Long and short of it is they gave me my EpiPen. They gave me, they started two um, lines on me, gave me Solunedrol, which takes your swelling down, and another drug, which blocks the histamine response. <clears throat> took a while to set in, and um, I had three back-to-back breathing treatments to start to open up my lungs, and on the third treatment, I was thinking, oh, my God, this isn't even working. I mean, the whole time you're gasping for breath. And that started, on the third one, it started to kick in. And I stayed in the hospital for about five hours, four or five hours, and then they released me. But they sent me home on all these drugs to keep my lungs lungs open, (coughs) which is why I'm kind of, (coughs) sorry, um, taking it easy. But, you know, I'm hanging in there. I'm happy I'm here to tell the story. When I, that was Friday night. And then Saturday, you kind of, when you go through an incident like this, you're just kind of in shock that it ever even really happened to you. And Sunday I woke up and I was just beside myself with anxiety and fear. 
and just kind of placing what had happened. So I always go to my Bible and and just open up a page, and God talks to me that way. And I opened to this page, and I'm just going to read you the first part of it. So you it's open Psalm your Bible 20. up. You just open your Bible up, and you said, you know, God, I uh-huh. just, I, you know, please, I, I need, I, I need something. I need you I to need speak to me. I need something, and and I mean, I know God's there, but He talks to me this way. And so I opened up to Psalms 116, and it says right here, this is what it says, the theme, praise for being saved from certain death. Worship is a thankful response and not a repayment for what God has done. I love the Lord because He hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because He bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Please, Lord, save me, which I did. How kind the Lord is, how good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of his childlike, with those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again. For the Lord has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my eyes from tears my feet from stumbling, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said, I am deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. Um, What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. And it goes on to say, just mainly praise the Lord and stay true to your promises. And just be close to him. And I'm just so thankful. Not only do I have I found rest and peace in that passage, but um, I'm just thankful to be alive. <laughs> you know, when Cindy told me that in the car, Cindy, when you told me I got the chills and I saw I'm, I'm Monique's right in front of me and I saw her uh, eyes shut and I heard G- Stacy gasp a little bit because it's just, you know, there are times in your life that you feel that peace that surpasses all understanding, that it's so supernatural, it's so surreal, that you can't even put into words that feeling when you know that the Lord is there for you. And yeah. it, 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 it's so comforting. It's, it's equally that. And to, go, to, you know, it's a lot to place when you almost die. Yeah. And then I haven't really gone and told a lot of people <laughs> because you don't know, really know what to say, and I'm just trying to regroup and get my lungs where they, um, you know, they're going to work again. And and I'm I'm okay, but I'm not great. <clears throat> but we can tell. Said, we can tell you're okay, just, but you're not great yet. I'm just so grateful. And thank, I I I the kids heard me talking to you, and fit, hope you know what a love bug is. When she when she said what happened and I told her a little bit more, she grabbed my phone because you know, I have all my pictures of you in there, and she started kissing the phone, saying Miss Cindy, Miss Cindy, Miss Cindy, I love you, kissing the Aww. phone, and and then hope, and then Faith, who's my my little tough you know attorney, she goes, I am so glad Miss Cindy didn't die. We need her. Oh, amen, 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 amen to God, and thank you, God. I am um, I feel the same way. And I'm just, you know, it's kind of like a renewed, not only, my faith is still the same. I've always had this strong faith, but I just feel a renewed presence to yeah. just the promises that God gives us to just count on those and lean on those and be that servant and just be what I am called to be for him. 
So it's just been all of that and still some to come, I'm sure. But anyway, that's well, my story this morning. Well, we love you, friend, and I'm so um, grateful, thankful mm-hmm. that you could uh, call in and you know share it with us. Uh, Beatrice mm. uh, is on as well, and I wanted her on because there were two things that I wanted to do today uh, on the show. Share your story and um, and have all the good news gals hear it too. Uh, but also, uh, one of my girlfriends on social media posted something that, Beatrice, I had to have you here too. Um, mm-hmm. It involved, um, I'm not sure exactly why she felt such a kinship with this woman who'd received uh, a, a hateful, she's a blogger, she received a, a hateful message, and she, my girlfriend posted it, and she's my a childhood friend, and said, I cannot tell you how much I relate to this woman and her response to it. And my childhood friend does have, one of her eyes looks a different direction, and I'm wondering if that's what she's referring to. It was so irrelevant to me that I'm trying to think of what she might have been talking about that is different about her that gave her attention that she didn't like. And then she was overweight Mm -hmm. at one time. So I asked her to call in, and she was too self-conscious to call in. But she posted this woman's uh, statement. It's her reaction to the hate she received. And I, too, related to this because being we, we all have received comments that have had an impact on us. And even as a child, that may have helped mold us. I remember, you know, Beatrice, I use this in one of my speeches about being given the label um, by my father when I was with a foster family and we were in court and he called me incorrigible and it was irredeemable, Uh unable to be redeemed, like hopeless, no value. And I remember then and there, I was like, I am a straight A student. I have done nothing. You are the problem. You and your drinking, you've ruined our family, not me. Uh, but I wasn't allowed to speak in court. But I rejected that label with such ferocity. But I think a lot of kids embrace the labels as like they're older and wiser. This label must be mine. I must deserve it. And so this, huh. this woman talks uh, about uh, how her, it's her response to hate. And it's, 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 Dave, don't you think it was pretty good? I think it's amazing. Okay, let's take a listen. I recently got this comment on my blog. You look like you are 70 with your gray hairs. You really should consider dyeing them for TV so you don't look like such an old hag. Just a suggestion. I am 31 years old and I've got a fair amount of gray hair as you can see. Now normally I just share recipes, but today I wanted to take a minute to talk about this comment and address it publicly because this is something I feel strongly about. My husband actually feels very strongly that I shouldn't dye my hair. And his reasoning is that he wants us to grow old together. How cute is that? If you read my About Me page, you'll find that I have a rare autoimmune disease that means that I will most likely never live to be 70 years old. Every sign of aging that I have is a sign that I'm still alive. A lot of people don't get the privilege to ever live to be old and I probably won't either, which means that I don't have time to waste criticizing myself and I don't have time to waste criticizing other people. I care a lot more about what my life is like right now. Um, I was born with a genetic jaw deformity and it showed up in puberty really prominently. And of course, there were plenty of kids who took the opportunity to point that out to me and make fun of me. And I let it completely break me. I felt like I was some sort of hideous monster. I had to wait until I was older and an adult and finished growing before I could get it fixed. And I always told myself that once I finally got that surgery, I would be happy and I would be beautiful then. 
and that surgery came and went and I was really happy for a little bit and then once the excitement wore off I realized that I was just me and I was the same person I'd always been and I still felt the exact same way about myself. It has taken me more than a decade of really hard work to change the way that I felt about myself. I have a crooked nose with a hook in it. I've got freckles and bags under my eyes. I've got a yellow tint to my skin. I have hairs that grow in places I don't want them to. I fluctuate in weight and carry more pounds than I'd like to sometimes. I've got wrinkles and stretch marks and sunspots and scars all over my body. And I also have gray hair and I love all of it. It's taken me a long time to learn that. The world needs more people who will build each other up instead of tearing each other down. The world needs more men like my husband who are willing to encourage women to embrace who they are. The world needs more women who are willing to rock their bodies exactly the way that God made them. Be that person, be that person, be that person. So Beatrice, mm -hmm. I thought of you right away because when you told me that story about when you were six and the grandmother of your friend said that Beatrice is too black to be played with because that somehow made mm -hmm. you like not as, not as good as her, her granddaughter because her granddaughter was lighter and how you told me that made you feel ugly till you were in your 30s, I thought of how you've transformed how you feel about yourself. You know, and, and listening to her story, and I, again, this is one of those type stories that makes me want to cry because people are so cruel. But the thing about it is, and the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man shall sow, that shall he also reap. And to that young lady, you know, who, who people have told her, you need to get this and that so that you can look younger and stuff, be careful what you're saying about people because it will come back on you. Not necessarily through you. It might be through your children, but for people to be so cruel and to say things un uncaringly to other people, that's just wrong. That's just flat out wrong. And I wish we would just start looking at people as we look at ourselves. It's Every the anonymity see... of the internet that people can exactly. say hateful yeah, things it, it, that's exactly what without it is. any they repercussions. Yes. And we've got to stop that. I think the Internet is probably one of the worst things for people's self-esteem because you can tear somebody down. Look at the amount of kids that are committing suicide because they're bullied over the Internet. You know, and this is just, that's horrible. We, people, come on. Really? Really? That's all I can say. Really? What do, you, what do you think, good news gals? I think you're trying to make me cry every week. No, Beatrice, no, no, would you please cry? Because she always makes fun of She goes, you white girls are the cryingest bunch, she told yeah, me. I might be a white girl on the inside because they got me crying every single week. You are because you like to cry too, Michelle. I'm I do. I do. I'm sorry. She got me, man, with it. Yeah. What do you think, Monique? When I cry, I'm, I'm crying out to God. So I guess, I don't know, it's a different kind of crying. Yeah. I'm crying, but... I, I like Miss Beatrice. I'm dark skinned, so I know mm -hmm. how that is because I was, you know, bullied because of my darker skin growing up. But my grandmother had a darker skin as well, so she was able to help me um, embrace it. And many mm -hmm. people don't know that, like, one of my grandfathers um, 
was black and Indian and my other grandfather was white, black and Indian. So some people in my family are a little bit darker than Angie and then some people have my complexion. So growing up, I understand like exactly how that is. You know, that's not your grandfather or that's not your aunt. You're too dark. You're too this. Mm-hmm. You're too that. But um, like I said, my grandmother helped me embrace it. But kids are very cruel. And they're worse today. Yes. Michelle and I talk oh, yeah. about it all the time. They're worse today. You know, um, that's I think the beautiful thing about Christ and being a Christian is that you're complete through Christ. And uh I think that that gives us such a sense of peace that to you know accept who we are because I mean if God made us you know I mean hello I mean it doesn't get any better than that all right Stacy's gonna share her book and her testimony tomorrow right it's gonna be Friday Dave right? no no we'll Monday. do it later today we got later today oh she we're right when we come back we've yeah, got yeah. enough time yeah, excellent all right we'll be right back Good news of Jesus for you in High Definition Radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. YMCA of the Rockies is the place to take your family this spring. It's like a destination vacation in your own backyard. This year at SS Park Center, we have a family mountaineering and backcountry weekend scheduled for March 1st through the 4th. We'll be hosting family snowshoe hikes, backcountry ski meetups, outdoor winter survival trainings, winter ecology hikes, and much more. We'll have guest speakers, excursions for every level of experience, and demos by popular mountaineering equipment brands such as Loa and Montbell. Visit ymcarockies.org for more information. That's ymcarockies.org. Angie Austin here. Welcome back to the good news. You may hear the good news gals ask some questions of our next author. I just love to do this roundtable like we're all having coffee here. And uh, we have uh, author Stacy Voss here, her new book, Reflecting Easter, Living and Understanding the Resurrection. I keep mentioning Stacy's book. Uh, she's been joining me throughout the week because she's an author, speaker, and a friend. And uh, it's been a while since she's been here, so I want to mention her book before we start with our next author. Also, Monique Davis is here and Michelle Betts. Michelle is in real estate with Porchlight, and Monique uh, is my friend who is in the hair industry. What's your website, Monique? It's allhair.net. And so what I like to do is just get my friends that I enjoy being around, and I like their stories, and they're real Christian women with real problems, and we hope we bring some positivity into your day and some uh, sunshine, hopefully. And... uh, (laughs) I have to say, you guys, you know, before working for NBC and living in L.A. for so long, and I used to work on the red carpet, and I worked for Extra, some of my most impressive stories are not 
I would much rather interview you than the stars. Because, you know, when I've interviewed stars, it's pretty generic. We get to the real knit and grit, <coughs> nitty gritty of life. And uh, that's what I like that people can, I think, I hope, relate to us. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, the book is Minute by Minute, A Pivotal Question from God, My Response, and the Remarkable Miracles that Followed. Joanne Moody is the author, and she is joining us. Welcome, Joanne. Hi, Andy. Hello, everybody else. Thanks Hello. for having me. So tell us, uh, I see that you are a wife, a mom, and a licensed minister. So tell us a little mm. bit about your book, Minute by Minute. Um, the book is about my journey with the Lord over 14 and a half years of chronic nerve pain and uh, enduring 13 surgeries as well as a near-death experience and the ups and downs of, of that and uh, what happened in the end of that 14 and a half year period was an amazing moment um, that can only be described by everyone, including all my medical professionals, as miraculous intersection where God met me and completely delivered me, not only from 14 and a half years of debilitating pain, but also from all of the narcotic prescription pain medication that I had grown physiologically dependent on in a moment. Wow. Absolutely uh, the most, uh, even no matter how much I travel and how much I talk about it, it is still to me um, mind-boggling. <laughs> now, when you speak, you know, I know you speak around the world, and mm -hmm. when you... I want to hear a little bit. I love testimonies. I want to hear a little bit about your story. I mean, that many years of pain, I could imagine. When, yeah. I, I'm, I do some work with it, the Invisible Disabilities Organization. I've done several interviews oh, with people who wonderful. you can't see that they have a disability or that they're in yeah. pain. So everybody, I'm sure, was saying to you, well, you look fine to me or you look good. <laughs> and here you are. That was the worst. Yeah. Yeah. That was absolutely the worst the type of, um, of deception. It was just horrible. I, I think people look at people and go, yeah, you're all right. So, it's, so then the assumption is it's in your head, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is just, it's, it's a horrible thing. I think from medical professionals who didn't know what they were talking about in the early years to people in the church, um, that was probably one of the most agonizing things. How did this you know, start? You, what's you, your, what, what was your journey? Um, in 1999, um, I gave birth to my only child, and something went wrong in the labor process. My doctor was out of town, and I was left for 91 hours with a non-progressive labor. And mm -hmm. the on-call doctor just never came, and they didn't understand what was happening until my son went into fetal distress. And then they did an emergency C-section in the 91th hour. He was a very, very huge baby, and his head pressed on the nerves in my pelvic canal, the pudendal nerves. And they didn't discover until nearly six years later that my nerves had been crushed at that time. And by that time, they'd already done uh, seven surgeries to remove all my female organs and, and all of that. So wait, after you had your child, you were in, like, unspeakable pain. Yes, yeah, and nobody could figure that out. So the doctors began to blame strange things like endometriosis or saying I had a cyst or, you know, I had been a triathlete before my son was born, so I had never known debilitation. I was in prime shape when I had my son, so it was very strange. Um, but, you know, having never had a child before, I didn't understand anything, and having a C-section, nothing was normal to me. So you're going through surgery after long. surgery. You're trying to raise a mm -hmm. child. And oh, how, does, yeah. how did this affect your marriage and your child rearing? 
You know, I would have to say without God, we wouldn't be married. I mean, the, the statistical, um, the statistics for pudendal nerve entrapment spouse is staying with their, with their significant other. Um, it's, it's up in the 80 percentiles of divorce rate, because as you can imagine, if all that pain is in your pelvic region, it ruins your intimacy level. Uh, my husband and I um, just went through hell, and we decided we had to cleave to Jesus and keep on pressing in, and it didn't mean that we didn't have uh, horrendous upheaval in our marriage, but we kept coming back to the foundational truth that there's got to be more than this, you know? Um, it was a roller coaster ride, and we are happily married tomorrow, 20 years. <laughs> Amen. And we are making up for all that garbage that <laughs> Okay, we got a question for you, Monique Davis. First of all, Miss Joanne, I would like to thank you for sharing your testimony because I was tell- telling Miss Stacy Voss here, um, we were talking about her book. To mm-hmm. me, this is just. God giving me confirmation because I just shared with um, Angie and the rest of the girls last week that my word for the year is resurrection. Come on. And then with your book, it just kind of confirmed it today because um, my, you and my husband shared the same testimony. He played in the NFL and he has had 10 surgeries um, oh, he's had goodness. a near-death experience, and the, it it has just been a journey um, mm-hmm. for us, and it 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 affects the the entire family. But um, like you, I was just determined, and there there came a point where he was so depressed he wanted to push me away because he didn't mm-hmm. want me to see him going through you know that period that he was going through because he felt like in in his in his eyes he was my protector and he didn't Mm -hmm. want me to have to have to take care of him but it, it was definitely has been a journey and I was just reading the back of your book and it's just confirmation because that is that is the word God gave me resurrection and restoration restoration resurrection and it it just i i just thank you so much because it's like it's confirmation that because i told my husband you know you're not going to be dependent on opioids and that's right and god i I know god is going to heal your body how did you get to that healing i mean all these years i just even I'm sitting here thinking, trying to imagine that pain, because I sometimes have pain that wakes me up, but very mm-hmm. different from pain that you that does not stop for 14 years, yeah. that is yeah. so it's... overwhelming that you're having surgery after surgery to try to get rid of it mm-hmm. and try to be a mom and raise this baby into a teenager. Yep. So then what happened? Yep. Well, it, you know, it's, it was such a journey of, having hope in the medical profession and then, you know, having a failure and up and down and up and down. And um, I think if I, certainly if not for God and not for his grace, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you and and getting up every day now and celebrating his goodness and going around and and encouraging people. But, you know, I had come to a very strange place in the 14 and a half years right before I was healed where I I began to accept, well, <clears throat> this must be my lot in life. It was, and it really, I believe, with every part of me, it's a lie that somehow to cope 
with the grief and the pain and the up and down and all of that, you sort of find a place within yourself. And I'm sure that Michelle could, could say the same about her husband, you know, trying to navigate that course. I just accepted that if God wanted to heal me, he could heal me, but because he didn't, it must be something that I was doing. Oh, like a guilt and or it's something. A very strange guilt. Oh, I've heard that thing. before. It's I've heard people rampant, say that God would help the them if they hadn't have done That's something, right. if they hadn't have mm-hmm. been this or if they hadn't have done that. It's rampant in the church. And, you yeah. know, it, it is a thing that the enemy uses called unworthiness. You know, Christ died. The atonement was paid for. We are all wretched creatures without Jesus. And he restored us to the fullness of our identity in Christ, which includes healing. And it's just not taught enough. I never heard that, you know? And so I began to believe this in about the 14, maybe 13 and a half years into it. I finally said, well, God, you know, you encounter me. We have this great love affair early, early in the mornings. I can feel your presence. I love you. I love your word. I'm in there, but you're not healing me. So therefore, I must figure out a way in my mind to cope with this. And so around that time, I began to, ironically enough, research that there really was healing going on in the world. I just never saw it in the Christian church. And so I began reading all of these books by all these people that had done healing ministry, you know, from the 20s to the current day. And I was fascinated by the way they prayed and what they prayed and how they viewed Scripture and the atonement. And I I just, for a whole year, I studied that. And then one day in April of 2013, I had this strange encounter with the Lord in my prayer time. And I felt very much that he spoke to me and said, go to this conference. And I didn't even know what what he was talking about. He said, Voice of the Apostles. And I had to look it up online. And I Googled it, and I thought, well, what a weird thing. There is a voice of the apostles, and it's in Florida. And then I promptly said to the Lord, I can't travel. I'm not going to get in a plane and suffer. And I heard these words, and that's all I heard. Go, you'll be blessed. That's all I heard. And then I never heard anything more after that. And so it was up to me. So I called my best friend, and I said, Michelle, this strange thing happened to me, and she has a gift of faith like nobody I've ever met. And she says to me, great, you're going to get healed there. To which I replied, I doubt it, Michelle. Come on, Matt. Hundreds and hundreds of people have prayed for me. Nothing has happened in all these years, whatever. But I decided to go. I talked with my doctors. They gave me a letter how I could fly, take a bunch of pain meds. I got there, and I went through that conference, and I had encounter after encounter with the Lord. But I wasn't healed until two hours before the conference ended when a man came up to me and asked if he could pray for me. And by that time, I was in so much pain. I didn't want anybody else to pray for me. I didn't want to be disappointed again. I also just wanted to get out of there. I was just, you know, you reach a saturation point with pain where you just can't tolerate Mm -hmm. anymore. And I, I couldn't take any more drugs. And so he said to me, no, God healed me. He healed my wife. He healed my son. And now he's going to heal you. And I thought, I don't know what this man is doing or talking about. But as he began to pray for me, he led me through all this emotional healing from all the trauma that I had endured and the near-death experience and all of the horrible, horrible pain and upset. Then he prayed through my spiritual deliverance, which I didn't even know was possible. And then in the end, when he was done with that, and I was just completely overtaken by the power of Jesus, he prayed for my pain to leave in the name of Jesus Christ, and it did. It was so shocking and so complete. He dealt with all of the ways that we 
that I, that I am, that everybody is as a human being, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical. No one had ever done that. And I have been pain-free since August 16th, 2013. <laughs> Yay, God! Amen. All I have to yes. say. Stacey Voss. Go ahead, Stace. So first of all, I just want to thank you for sharing that because that is such an incredible story. But um, I have a question because I feel like most people don't share that experience um, with you. Mm -hmm. But but a lot of people have dealt with pain, various levels. You know, I've never dealt with chronic pain or anything near what you've had. But I think especially Mm -hmm. as women, sometimes we're like, oh, my hormones are out of whack today or I'm in pain. We're not nice people a lot of times when we're in pain. So what can you share? Like, how did you learn to not be a non-nice person throughout your 14 years of pain. That's a lot to deal with and function. I don't think I was a nice person a lot of the time. Um, I think, you know, we're sort of living that aftermath even now with my son and his, his, uh, he just turned 19. I think we're, we're still navigating that. We're actually in counseling to try and navigate some of those years. I, I think what I learned to do, um, is get up at four in the morning, uh, not because that's some kind of badge of honor, but because of my desperateness, my desperateness to want to try to be loving and to try not to take anything out on people. And I began getting up at four in the morning in about the fifth year of my trial of of this pain and, and really laying on my face before the Lord and just trying to get in his word and, and to understand who he is and who he said I was, even though I didn't feel like it, I, I often uh, used that as, as my very foundation to try and, and be kind. I also learned not to live um, with the idea that the things that I could not do, I had to train myself to stop saying, well, I can no longer do this, I can no longer do that, and stay in the moment and be present and be grateful. Um, gratitude is something I had to learn how to do, you know, to look at my son and his beautiful smile and his laughter and just enjoy being able to be with him. Um, you know, it was a, it really, truly, the reason why the book's called what it is, is, is because of the words the Lord spoke to me in my near-death experience, but because living with chronic pain is a minute-by-minute thing. It controls every aspect of you if you let it, or you can choose joy as a weapon in the moment. And that's what I had to learn how to do. And I, I often failed, but I often was successful in all of that. So you said, I cho- you, said you chose joy in the moment? Yeah. I had to, and it, you know, it wasn't a feeling, honestly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a feeling. It's a choice. I, I, I had to choose to be in that place, and when I chose that, often the feelings of joy would follow after I chose. But if I waited for the feelings of joy to just land on me, that didn't happen. You know, um, when you talk about choosing joy in the moment, we, we, we might not be in chronic pain, uh, you know, but we all have our moments where we feel like we're suffering and we can choose joy mm-hmm. And I think when mm-hmm. you say it's not a feeling, it's a choice, uh, that's mm-hmm. so important. You know, when I get up at 3 a.m., I always say, you know, Jesus, please help me get out of bed. And I try to see that yeah. opportunity to do my, my morning show as um, uh, a blessing, you know, an opportunity mm-hmm. to speak to other people and hopefully bring some, you know, light into their day. And then I have many guests yeah. that, you know, bless me by joining me and, you know, halfway into the show and I'm laughing hysterically with someone or telling some story that I hope makes a difference or makes people think. I think, you know, this is an opportunity and for some reason God's chosen 
me to do that opportunity by getting up at 3 a.m. But I think whatever our difficult moments are of the day, I think choosing joy can be so important. I'll never forget um, interviewing a woman from Rwanda who um, during the genocide there hid in a closet. Her entire family Mm. was killed because her dad was the leader of her um, uh, village. And uh, they came there wow. to seek help from him, and he sent her off to a family friend. And they had um, women in this bathroom. I believe there were 16 of them, and they were piled on top of each other, and they stayed there for months. And when she left, she'd lost over half of her body weight from when she'd left college and come to see her dad oh during this time. Goodness. She went to go see the men in prison that had killed her whole family and taken all their belongings and she said she went there to forgive them. And she told yes. me that she found moments of joy or peace or at least escape right. through her thoughts, her mind, her decisions, her faith. Because she That's prayed right. the entire time. She said she had from her rosary that she had little um, like ball, kind of like almost holes in her fingers from praying the beads over and over again. And she said, Angie, if wow. I can forgive, anyone can. And so when That's I think right. about my little um, bumps in the road in life, I always think about her and her story. Uh, the minute, uh, minute by minute is the book, a pivotal question from God, my response, and the remarkable miracles that followed. Joanne with two N's, Moody. Thank you, Joanne. Thank you so much, Angie. God bless you all. God bless you. We'll be right back. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, would you like to donate items? You know, maybe some old sporting equipment, old furniture, old clothing. You'd like the tax write-off. You'd like to help others, but it's kind of a hassle to gather it all up and drop it off, and you're just too busy. Well, guess what? Spark Thrift Stores, they will come right to you, to your house, pick up your items, and leave you your tax write-off donation form. How do you do that? Call 303-238-JANE, 238-5263. And again, all of these items that you donate, they help people right in our own community. Uh, They help people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And what better thing to do with your items that you no longer need than to help others? I shop at ARC all the time. I get my kids sporting equipment, gotten a rocking chair. I've gotten boots there. I have a purse that's amazing that still had the tags on it. It's a coach bag, and I got it at ARC. I shop there, and I help others, and I donate my items about once every month or two. And I call 303-238-JANE, and they come right to my house with a truck, and they pick everything up. Here, check it out. Again, 303-238-JANE. Hello, hello. Producer Dave is sitting in for Angie. Uh, unfortunately, she got stuck in traffic on her way here, and um, I hope everyone in that wreck is okay. I hope Angie can make it here. But I'm sitting here with our our new friend, my new friend, I should say, and Angie's old friend, Stacy Voss. Um, Angie just introduced me to her because Stacy is coming out with a new book. Uh, uh, Stacy. Hi. hi, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Good, and uh, thanks for being here. And uh, t- tell us a little bit about your book. It's called Reflecting Easter, Living and Understanding the Resurrection. Now, you said this is your second book? It is my second book. So my first one was a Christmas devotional. That's called Savoring Christmas. And then this one is Reflecting Easter. They're both written in the same format, where they're each short daily devotionals. And then there's three to four questions at the end. And One of the things that surprised me most about the Christmas one, I figured it'd mostly be women reading it on their own, and I was really surprised to hear that a lot of families sat down every night over dinner. They went through it, or groups went through it. Not entirely sure that's going to happen with the Easter one, just because the content is a little bit not as family-friendly. I mean, it's, it's the crucifixion, and that's not always 
something you want to sit around the dinner table and discuss, but at the same time... It's really important, I think, to learn the story. Right. And I wrote the book in large part because it's something that I try to shy away from. I don't like having to really look at it. I mean, I love Easter Sunday. Love it because we get to celebrate and that is like the defining moment of our faith. And yet I hate everything that goes up to that moment. Because to sit down and really think about everything that Christ went through for us is so incredible that, I mean, it could break me. If I really sat there and thought about the depths of all of that, it's so powerful. Right, right. And I think it's, it is important, though. I understand exactly where you're coming from, just because it's like the difference between going on an Easter egg hunt or watching that Mel Gibson movie with Henry Cavill. Right. Uh, or Caviezel. And, uh, and, and just uh, the difference in it and just how brutal it can be. And, and just the way that that movie in particular shocked everybody. I think it's a good idea to shock people like that, just because that way it really sinks in. And you really do get a, a sense of... The sacrifice. Right. But also the sense of the personal love behind it. I think so often we think of the sacrifice, but we think it's just this uniform blanket, one size fits all. Right. And I think for me, by going through and really looking at that sacrifice on a much deeper level than ever before, I realized how personal it, personal it is and just how deep God's love is for us. I love that. I love that, the whole idea of this book. And uh, you said something a little bit ago, and I knew we were talking before we started, um, but that uh, the readers kind of took this in the direction that you didn't intend. And I, I really love that idea that as an author, I also am an author, but I can never, you can never tell what anyone's going to do with your book. And right. so uh, how comfortable are you with that, with people kind of taking your book in a different direction than you had intended? It has been so fun for me because... I wrote it and I just kind of had, you know, this idea of this is what it was going to be of people sitting down, reading it on their own or whatever. And to hear families doing it has been amazing. Or um, one woman I know, she bought two copies, one for herself and one for her mom. And they each went through their own book on the first year of the Christmas book. And there's three questions at the end. I purposely leave space in case you want to write out your answers. Definitely you don't have to because you're not, you know, I'm not grading anything. (laughs) That's not homework. Right. Um, but I thought it was so beautiful that this woman ended up switching books with her mom at the end of the year and her mom has since moved out of state. And I guess they went through the book two years ago and this past Christmas was the first year her mom was out of state. So she said it was especially special to her to go through it, to reread it, but then to also see her mom's insights and it just helped her connect to her mom a little bit more as well. That's so cool. That's such a, it's such a great idea. I, I, I you know, I kind of wish I thought of some of these great ideas. I talk <laughs> to all these amazing authors all the time and they all have such amazing ideas. And I love the idea of the daily devotional, just kind of keep people reading. I love how you're connecting families that you didn't even know how you're going to connect them. And, uh, you know, I love that you're sharing the story of the resurrection and all this stuff is amazing. So, uh, we're almost out of time here, but, uh, can you tell us where we're going to be able to get the book? So it's not out quite yet. It's coming soon, very soon. Um, so it will be on Amazon, and then it will also be on my website, which is stacyvoss.com. That's Stacy, no E, and then Voss with a V. Stacyvoss.com, reflecting Easter, living and understanding the resurrection. Thank you so much, Stacy, for coming in. Hopefully you can be on some future so- shows with us. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.